This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. This is a second part of our series called Splashed. And um, I just want to read to you our theme scripture that we started reading last week and started working, working on. And uh, we're just going to continue on this week. And that theme scripture is 1 Thessalonians 3 and 12 in the message. And it says this, And may the master pour on the love so it fills your lives and splashes over on everyone around you, just as it does from us to you. May you be infused with strength and purity, filled with confidence in the presence of God, our Father. And I'm just going to give a quick recap from last week for those who are, were not here last week or haven't heard it online. I want to make sure you're kind of following along in the series so that you can take in what you want to need to take in today. Um, and that, cap, that recap is that last week we asked ourselves the question, which empty are you or which empty are we? And um, the first, the first um, contemplation we wanted to contemplate was, um, are we the kind that it has no source and therefore we're empty? We're trying to tap into something that, that we think is a source, but it actually isn't. So are you, no, are you with no source and therefore empty? Number two is, are you full of work but still empty? And number three, are you intentionally empty so that you can be filled with the source. And that, of course, is Jesus Christ in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then we made this statement, um, and that which is this, is we must first be splashed by God's love in order to splash others. And um, this week, we're actually going to ask ourselves another question. We're going to ask ourselves this question, which kind of filled are you? And um, last week we asked, which kind of empty are we? This week we're asking, which kind of filled are you? And I came across this cute little quote. I've heard it many times, but I thought, oh, it's kind of perfect for this scenario. And it says this. It says, dear optimist, pessimist, and realist, while you guys were arguing about the glass of water being half full or half empty, I drank it. (laughs) And it signed the opportunist. (laughs) I thought that was perfect for today because when, we're, when we are contemplating what kind of filled we are, just drink it. Just be an opportunist today. Don't be a, uh, you know, an optimist or a pessimist or a realist. Just go, I'm going to be an opportunist and I'm just going to soak in and drink in all that God has and wants to speak to me today. Amen? Awesome. Um, so what we're going to do is we are going to identify uh, what kind of filled we are by inspecting the fruit of our lives. So ushers, lock the door. (laughs) We don't want anybody hearing fruit inspection and running. Um, No, it's going to be good. It's going to be awesome because we're in the presence of a loving God and he is a good God and he wants us to taste taste and see that he is good uh, with that fruit inspection. So we're going to be asking ourselves, um, what, what kind of fruit are we producing? and in our lives, and we want to do this because it's actually the fruit that is the thing that splashes over on those that are around us. So when we know that we're filled with certain things, it's that thing, it's the fruit of that thing that's actually going to be the thing that splashes over. So that's why we're going to do a fruit inspection this morning. So according to our theme scripture, again, 1 Thessalonians 3 and 12, 
uh, from last week, we also talked about this concept that a love-infused life is, number one, poured into by the Holy Spirit. Number two, it's filled with the love of the Father. Number three, it is soaked in the Word of God. Number four, it is scented with the fragrance of Jesus. And number five, it is introduced into and has the blood of Jesus, his life, running through its veins, through salvation. And the way that we came up with that description was we actually looked at what was the definition of infuse in, in, the, in the dictionary. And out of it, then, we were able to correlate exactly what we were to do to be infused with the love of God uh, through the scriptures. Um, so carrying on with that this week, then, Again, from 1 Thessalonians 3 and 12, um, it goes on to describe what that infusion of love and life produces in us. So number one, it says that it produces strength in us. So Hebrews 4 and 16 in the Passion Translation says this, So now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned. Isn't that amazing? To receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. And I'm going to read that in another translation shortly. Um, but we know that as in we can come boldly and freely to the throne of God. And I love how he's describing what that throne of God is. He says it is, um, we can come boldly to where love is enthroned. So when we come into the presence of God, then we are actually coming into the very presence of love. And in order for us to be infused with that love, then he wants us to come freely and boldly into his presence so that that love that is poured into and over us can provide strength to us even in our moments of weakness. He says freely and boldly come to that place of enthroned love to receive the mercy and the grace that you need in your time of weakness. So it provides strength. Number two is that it provides purity. John 4 and 16 in the New International Version says this, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment in this world, we are like Jesus. Purity. You know, um, I can't remember who said it earlier, but um, talking about this concept that, oh, actually, I think it was in the prayer room. Somebody was praying about this concept of, of getting rid of works and not having to strive towards um, feeling like we have to be good enough to come into the presence of God, but that we would just know that because of God's goodness, we could come into his presence and we can receive that goodness so that we ourselves are made pure. That's that concept of, of purity that, that, um, that love-infused life gives us and produces in us. It helps us to understand that it's not that we have to be pure to come before God, but it's that as we come before God, his purity is infused in us. Isn't that amazing? 
So when we come to that love of God, we let him splash over us. It infuses us with strength, and it infuses us with purity. And number three, that scripture says that it is to infuse us with confidence. That's what it's going to produce in us is confidence. So in the presence of God and in the presence of God our Father, sorry. Hebrews 4 and 16, and so this is another translation of that scripture I already read. And it says this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And another scripture along that line in Ephesians 3 and 12, again in the NIV, says, in him, Jesus, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and with confidence. I love the fact that That scripture is telling us that if we get before God's presence, we allow him to splash on us and fill us with his love, infuse us with his presence, that that he's actually going to produce in us strength. He's going to produce in us purity. He's going to produce in us a confidence that no matter what goes on around us, we we know that we can come freely and boldly before his presence and receive all that we need need in order to live this life and splash onto those that are around us. So this morning, as we take that concept in, then this is what we're going to carry into our fruit inspection. So at this moment, let's do start doing a fruit inspection. Is the doors locked? They are. Awesome. We're good. Everybody ready? Everybody's buckled in? You're ready for the fruit inspection? Okay. Luke 6, 43 to 45 in the Passion Translation says, You will never find choice fruit hanging on a bad, unhealthy tree. And rotten fruit doesn't hang on a good, healthy tree. Every tree will be revealed by the quality of fruit that it produces. Figs or grapes will never be picked off thorn trees. People are known in this same way. Out of the virtue stored in their hearts... Good and upright people will produce good fruit. But out of the evil hidden in their hearts, evil ones will produce what is evil. For the overflow, the splash, of what has been stored in your heart will be seen in your fruit and will be heard in your words. Um, You know, one of the things that sometimes we have show up in our lives are things that we we know are not good and we kind of think they're ugly, um, but what we tend to do is we tend to try to suppress these things instead of actually allowing it to surface enough for us to just take a look at it and go, okay, is this a, is this a fruit that I want to continue to have hanging on my tree? So, for example, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's um, hatred in your heart. And instead of going, you know what, God, let me just look at that hatred for a bit. Where's that coming from? What is it? We go, oh, hatred, oh, that's, that's ugly, that's not good, let's suppress that, let's not pretend that's even there. But instead of dealing with it then, it gets to continue to stay in the ground of our hearts, in the soil of our hearts, and it, then it begins to, it gets allowed to grow, and it gets allowed to flourish. And then it comes out at an inopportune time, and you're like, whoa, I didn't know I had that in me when I just responded to that score clerk who did not, re- you know, treat me well. And then we go, "Uh uh-oh, I didn't realize that was still there. Um, It's things like that. You know, is there a conflict in your life showing up? Is there jealousy showing up in your life? 
you don't want to be afraid of those things showing up. What you want to do is do a fruit inspection. You want to bring it, you want to allow it to come to the surface, and you kind of want to, I tell people when I counsel them, I say, don't be afraid of your emotions. Just, you know, allow it to surface, and then, you know, pretend it's sitting in the palm of your hand and go, okay, here's jealousy. Jealousy is actually sitting in my heart. So why is it there? What is it doing? What's it giving me? Because the reality is that somehow that jealousy actually makes you feel like it's giving you something. But what you want to do is you want to fruit inspect it and go, is this a fruit that I want to remain? If it isn't, then you're going to ask God, where did it come from? Why is it there? And please, Jesus, let's not store it any longer. Let's, let's, trans, let's move that. Can I just give you a quick, quick thought? For those, if you are here and that word jealousy is actually hitting your heart, when I actually had this show up in my life, um, amazing, God, God just, it's just all about the perspective. The moment that it surfaced in my heart and I spoke it to Jesus, he said, actually, Rachel, you're not, je- you're not jealous, you're inspired. And I went, what do you mean? He said, well, the person that you're jealous of, you're actually inspired what they're, by, about what they're doing that you're not. So all you have to do is flip it from jealousy to inspiration, be inspired and go and do what it is that you're inspired by. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So if you, if you allow God to surface it, allow him to inspect it with you, he's going to give you something as simple as that. God has a way of, of overturning what the enemy wants to continue to sow. He has a way of sowing something different if we allow him to do so. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about now three types of fruit described in this scripture passage uh, that we already read. So number one is the fruit of misplacement. Verse 44 says this, Every tree will be revealed by the quality of fruit that it produces. Figs or grapes will never be picked off thorn trees. So if you were to find a fig or grapes sitting on a thorn tree, don't you think you'd be looking around to say, where's the fig tree or the, gra- or the grapevine? Because we know that you can't, you're not going to get a fig or a grape from a thorn tree. The it's not even a fruit, but what you're going to get from a thorn tree is thorns, right? So you know that it's misplaced, that it's actually there, but it's, it really didn't come from that tree. You're going to be looking around for that. Um, so um, this particular fruit of misplacement is a life that is, has never really repented and their, given their lives to Christ and truly accepting him as Lord and Savior. So it is potentially those that are attending a church and have never given their hearts to Christ, but are kind of pretending like they're a part of the church, that they're a Christian. Um, So that's the fruit of misplacement. Uh, Number two is the fruit of pretense. So verse 45 says this, But out of the evil hidden in their hearts, evil ones will produce what is evil. So... um, it, oh, yeah, so the description of that is that uh, it looks good, but is rotten inside due to bad roots. So my husband and I, when we first moved to the place that we moved to in Kingston, we used to live in Lansdowne, the previous owners had this huge garden, um, and the garden was amazing. It was beautiful. They were gardeners. Um, my husband and I <laughs> are not gardeners. Um, so we tried for a few years to garden, and because of what they had already done in terms of 
watering and planting and seeding and putting in the right soil and, and making sure it had the right light and that it was um, weeded out and all that kind of stuff. For a few years, we actually, it actually produced some decent fruit. Um, we had watermelons and cantaloupes and, and it also produced then um, some vegetables like green, well actually they're fruit too, green peppers and all that kind of stuff. I know it doesn't sound like it, but it has the seeds, so it is a fruit. Um, science lesson for you today. Um, but after a few years, we ended up having a season um, where there was a lot of rain. And because we aren't gardeners and we didn't completely understand, uh, we happened to go out and we brought in some watermelon and some cantaloupe and they looked amazing. They were huge and they were green and, and they looked like they were going to be so delicious. But when we cut it open, it was rotten. And we were like, well, we couldn't figure out what was going on. And at the time, I was running a daycare, and one of the parents was a botanist. So she, we asked her, you know, why is this fruit looking amazing, but it's rotten on the inside? And she said, well, probably because your garden isn't, um, what do they call that? Drained? Well, drained. Okay. <laughs> I was looking for a bigger word, but I guess we don't need a bigger word. Um, your, your garden isn't draining properly, so your, your, the roots of your, your vines are actually underwater, so your fruit is rotten. And um, so we had no idea about this, but the fruit looked amazing, but when you cut it open, it was rotten. So that's that, that fruit of pretense. Um, it looks good, but is rotten inside. Um, it's also this concept of deceiving others by an assumed character or false pretense. Um, and in our lives as Christians sometimes, it can typically show up as legalism or laws or standards in which we feel we have to live up to. And um, if you take an example from the, old, uh, from the New Testament of the Pharisees, you know, the Pharisees get a bad rap. Bad rap. But they were actually one of the holiest people, set aside people in their community. They were actually trying to be so holy and separate so that they could allow the Messiah to come. Um, but in the process of that, they accidentally started to have laws and traditions and standards that even Jesus Christ didn't ask for the community to have. Um, and so they ended up with this, this false pretense and, and they ended up showing off character that was deceiving of who God actually was to those that were around them. And um, Jesus actually called them whitewashed tombs. And interestingly enough, if you, if you look at what that meant in that day, what they used to do was they would go around and they would, they would whitewash the tombs in the graveyards to make the, the tomb look lovely and to make the landscape look lovely. But if you were to go into the tomb, of course, it would have a corpse in there that had potentially been rotting, so it would be very smelly. So there was this pretense of niceness on the outside, but the inside, again, was rotten and smelly. That's the fruit of pretense. Uh, James 1 and 22 says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So if you want to keep away from that fruit of pretense, basically God says the remedy for that is don't just listen to the word because you'll deceive yourself. Actually do then what it says and that way you'll know you're not in a, in a state of pretense, but you're in a state of truth. And that third fruit is the fruit of truth. Verse 44 says this, Every tree will be revealed by the quality of fruit that it produces. Verse 45a says this also, Out of the virtues stored in their hearts, good and upright people will produce good fruit. 
So it's good from the inside out because it has good roots. So if you were to think about this, if you were to um, plant an orange seed, what do you think it's going to grow into? An orange tree. Okay, so if you have an orange tree now, what kind of fruit would it produce? An orange, absolutely. So if you pick that orange off of that orange tree and you squeeze it, what do you think is going to come out? Orange juice, absolutely. So it is, um, it is good from the inside out. It is exactly what it says it is. It's exactly what it's presenting itself to be. And when you squeeze it, what comes out of it is what it was seeded with. Here's, here's the ouch part for us. <laughs> when you get squeezed, what comes out? I'm not sure what you're saying. <laughs> I don't know about you, but for me, that's probably a little bit of an ouch. There are moments for me when, you know what, grumpiness comes out. Why? Because I've planted a seed of irritability. You know, sometimes pride comes out. Why? Because I've planted a seed of insecurity that, that needed something to, to say, you know what, you're good at this or you're, you're uh, better than that person at that or... You know, um, it's okay, again, to have those ouch moments. You, just as I said, God wants to actually touch on those things to make sure. He's doing a fruit inspection this morning, people. He wants to make sure that we have and are producing continuously and to an abundance of fruit of truth. He's always wanting to make sure that those fruits of misplacement that those fruits of pretense are removed from our lives so that we are producing fruits of truth. Amen? Awesome. Okay, so in verse 45 in B, it says this, For the overflow, the splash, of what has been stored in your heart will be seen by your fruit and will be heard in your words. What words are being heard coming out of your mouth? Um, Okay, so now we're going to move on to what does the Bible say you are to do if you've done a fruit inspection this morning and you found that you've had, number one, a fruit of misplacement. So this is where you've been attending church, but you've never given your life to Christ. Acts 2.38 says this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I just want to take a moment right now. I'm going to ask everybody to just close your eyes. Nobody's looking around except for me. And when I was writing this message, I just felt like God actually wanted me to say a prayer of salvation right now with somebody. And I don't know if you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ, but you would like to. And maybe actually this is your first time attending church. God's really wanting to minister to you this morning. Or maybe you've been attending church for a while, but you, you just haven't made that step to accept Jesus Christ into your life as Lord and Savior. Or maybe you're here and you feel like you had in the past given your heart to Christ, but you're not so sure right now as you're listening to this message what fruit you are producing. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to read a salvation prayer And if that's you, 
you can just quietly in your heart pray along with me. And then at the end of the service, if you either come to the altar for prayer or you just want to come and talk with me or somebody else that's up here, I want you to do so. So I'm just going to read this prayer. Father, I know that I have broken your laws and my sins have separated me from you. I am truly sorry. And now I want to turn away from my past sinful life toward you. Please forgive me and help me avoid sinning again. I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, died for my sins, was resurrected from the dead, is alive, and hears my prayer. I invite Jesus to become the Lord of my life, to rule and reign in my heart from this day forward. Please send me your Holy Spirit to help me obey you and to do your will for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And everybody can look up again. Number two, if you have the fruit of pretense in your life, Luke 13, 6-9 says this, and it's the parable of the barren fig tree. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. And the gardener answered and said this, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. You know, we know that God is a God of a second chance. But what we also know is that not is he just a God of second chance, but he looks for repentance. And for those who are here and you're not sure what that word repentance means, it, it's literally as if you're going in one direction and you realize you're going in the wrong direction and you repent. You say you're sorry and then you turn and you go in the other direction. That's repentance. That's what God looks for in our hearts. So when we, when we come to God and we say we're sorry for something, we don't just say we're sorry and then continue to do what we're doing and think that we're just fallen humanity and, oh, I can't possibly do that. He actually looks for repentance because he says when we repent, that he will give us special attention. And in that special intention is the empowerment to do what only he can do through you. And he will empower you to fulfill what truth demands of us. So you can repent and turn and walk the other direction. So he says that if you have the fruit of pretense, he, asks, he says that you have that second chance. But then he says, but I'm also looking for repentance. But as you repent, know that he'll give you uh, his empowerment to do so. Matthew 3 and 8 says this, produce fruit that proves you, your repentance. Um, and I felt like as I was writing this message that God wanted me to ask this question today, that if you're here today and you're feeling the sting of conviction, that God is giving you special attention. Um, and you know that sometimes we get uncomfortable with God's special attention. <laughs> when we feel that conviction come upon us, we think, oh no, does somebody else around me know that I'm feeling this? <laughs> that fast beating heart, you know, the sweaty palms, the, the red face, or just that stirring in your stomach that you just feel sick. 
But that's God. He's saying, I'm coming and I'm giving you special attention. And sometimes in those moments, we're like, God, just leave me alone. But the reality is, do you, do you really want him to leave you alone? Because if he does, then that gardener's going to come back a year later, and then he says he's going to cut that root down, that tree down. But if you allow God to give that conviction, if you allow him to give you that special attention, if you allow him to fertilize the soil around your heart, to, to take it what was seeded from the enemy and plant in a seed that is godly, a seed that is holy, then a year later you're going to have this tree that is flourishing and it's producing a holy fruit. It's producing a love-infused fruit. Amen? So don't be afraid of that conviction. That is just God giving you special attention. You don't want him to leave you alone. You want him to be highly involved in your life. And if you have done your fruit inspection this morning, if you feel like you have the fruit of truth already producing in your life, he says that we are to consistently, according to 2 Corinthians 3 and 5, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith, examine yourselves, or do you yourselves not recognize that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail the test? He actually asked those who already have the fruit of truth in their life to consistently ask themselves and examine themselves and say, am I still in the faith? I said last week, every summer, God has this way of coming alongside and just reorienting me, uh, just making sure that I'm continuing on the, in the direction and the right path that he has me on and wants me to continue on. It's not that sometimes those tweaks are bad. It's not even sometimes that he's getting rid of bad things. It can even be good things. But he's making sure that I reach the destination that he has set out for me already. He's making sure that I am producing the fruit that he wants me to produce and to produce it according to the abundance and the harvest that he wants me to be, be producing at. So it's all of us at every stage need to be testing and looking at our and doing a fruit inspection. So how do you know you've passed the test? Um, well, if you see your life producing fruit. Um, and according to the Bible, there's only one fruit, but it has varied expressions, and that fruit is love. And we're going to quickly walk this through because I'm nearing the end. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and I didn't lie, actually, I'm nearing the end. Isn't that crazy, you know, for a preacher to actually tell the truth about that? I have the fruit of truth. Woohoo! Um, Okay, let's not mess it up. Okay, so the fruit of the Spirit causes us to be filled with love that expresses itself as joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures. It's ever tapping into or never quitting. Kindness in action. A life full of virtue or goodness. Faith that prevails. Gentleness of heart and strength of spirit, otherwise known as self-control or lordship. And it goes on to say that never, we are never to set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. So all of those varied expressions of, there are varied expressions of one fruit, and that fruit is the love of God. So the, the fruit inspection you're looking for this morning is, are you producing the fruit of the love of God in your life? And I'm going to end with this. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. John 15, 6 to 8 in the message says this. I am the vine, you are the branches. 
When you are joined with me and I with you, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as disciples. And I found that scripture so amazing because God says they will know you by your love for one another. Are you producing that one fruit, the love of God? If you are, you can know that you are filled with the love of God. And that's what you're filled with this morning. Romans 15 and 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow, splash, with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And this morning, again, we're asking ourselves, which kind of filled are we? So which kind of filled are you? Did you do a fruit inspection this morning and you realize that maybe you're experiencing the fruit of misplacement? Or are you here this morning and you feel like God has been speaking to you about a fruit of pretense? And are you here this morning and you feel like, yeah, I'm seeing the fruit of truth in my life, but there are certain areas that God is coming and he's, he's convicted me on and he's wanting to, to prune, he's wanting to replenish, he's wanting to even sow new seeds so that there's abundant fruit of the love of God splashing over me and into me and through me so that my his love is splashing onto those around me so that they can know Jesus, so that they can know who, who the God that I serve really is. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.